welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and we are excited to be here with you this week studying in sections 12 and 13 of the Doctrine and Covenants, as well as finishing out those last few verses in Joseph Smith history. This study this week uh, is one that's been really personal and powerful for us and one that will probably be ongoing for a little bit. But what we want to focus on is this expanding power that the Lord is giving to his children, to us, uh, to help us be or become, as we titled this episode, fellow servants uh, with our prophetic predecessors, with our brothers and sisters around us. This is one of many sections in the Doctrine of Covenants that deal with God's power, his priesthood, that he gives to his children to help them accomplish the work that he has called them to do. And so we're excited to study what that power looks like for us and how it can help us accomplish the things that uh, we have been feeling and sensing God wants us to do. But before we begin, we do need to make a little apology for our sound quality this week. We are on a little family getaway, and you know that feeling when you know that you're forgetting something and you have in your mind that it's something but you don't know what it is it took me about halfway through our drive and realized we forgot our microphone (laughs) we tried to record before but it didn't happen um so here we are at least we didn't forget a child yes that's very true we haven't done that yet (laughs) i'm sure it might happen at some point (laughs) but anyway we're going to do our best to get it edited so that you don't notice too much but forgive us for that and here we go, getting excited about what we have to discuss today. Well, just a brief introduction. The beginning phrase of section 13 is the one from which we drew our title. Uh, and for background and just FYI, gee whiz, contextual information, uh, section 13 is another one of those sections that wasn't originally in the Book of Commandments. It was added later on to a later section or later uh publication of the Doctrine and Covenants. But it is a portion of what John the Baptist said to Joseph and Oliver as he appeared to them and conferred upon them the Aaronic priesthood. And so that's section 13. Section 12, it was given to Joseph Knight, who was an early believer and family friend of of Joseph and a great supporter, uh, emotional supporter of the prophet. The Knight family were great and stalwart saints. Um, And so those two sections kind of bridge a little bit of this church history that we're getting um, as we're wrapping up the translation of the Book of Mormon and kind of looking at what God's going to do with this book and with this power and and, uh, the church that he's going to set up. Well, and what I like about these sections too is that they were really spurred on because of scripture. It Mm -hmm. was them searching out scripture in translation and thinking about what was happening as they translated the Book of Mormon that really caused them to ask these questions and brought forth the priesthood and what happens in these chapters. So um, this episode for us was also inspired by a question from our six-year-old daughter. She at probably within the last year or two, when she was four or five, started to ask the questions of, 
when am I going to get to pass the sacrament? Why don't girls pass the sacrament? And really keenly catching on to questions that I don't even think I was thinking about till 10 years ago, if I'm being generous. Now, I know that there are other women and other people that have asked those questions earlier than that. But as I talk with other women around me, um, friends and family, I know that this is a question that many of our daughters have and even sons. I think our, our sons ask the same thing, especially when they hear um, our daughter talking about it. And I don't know, Zach, I think you said it best when you said, I think there's something in the water. There is something about this generation that these questions are in their mind, maybe even for a reason. Maybe God's putting them there as we begin to see something new. Well, I think it's a great testimony of an evidence of the truth that the restoration is continuing to unfold. Um, I love, one of the things I love about youth, working with youth and teaching youth, is they have such a big and bold desire to serve God and serve others. And that's where this question comes from from our daughter. Either comes from that or her desire for world domination, because this is also the daughter that wants to uh, be president of the United States and have a hundred children. And <laughs> so she's got a lot of big, big desires. <laughs> But on the whole, I think it comes from a place of wanting to be involved in the things that God does. And that's her desire. And it's a desire of so many students that I've taught over the years. And um, and so it comes from a great place. And I think it's a desire that's honored by the Lord. And I think one that he has uh, answers to. And and uh, so that's what that's what we get to focus on this episode. The, the the question that we're asking you to study, the question we're giving you to study on your own is, what power has God given me, and what does He expect me to do with it? But what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to help our six year old daughter answer that question for herself. Now she's not going to listen to this or any more than a couple of minutes of it until her attention span is longer. So this she might never listen to this. But we want to speak to her. And to anyone else who might be having questions like that, how can I fit into this work that God's doing? What power does he give me to help me do this? And what is it that he wants me to do with that power? Well, I really loved this study and I love the resources that are available on this subject right now. The priesthood podcast put out by the Joseph Smith papers, all of these things have been really awesome supplement to this week's study. And we're going to put those in our footnotes so that this you'll have be, these. We're going to set a record for footnotes this, I think for so. show notes this week. And certainly we are not the source on this. We're, we are pulling from a lot of sources that we have found helpful for us because I think this is just a question that we've had on our own. So that's maybe why this was a good study for us. Um, but I do know that something that I was really inspired by as I was studying, was in the Joseph Smith Papers podcast on the priesthood restoration, was really filling that restoration, that um, evolution of how the questions came to be answered for Joseph and for those working with him early on. And one of the things that we came across was a talk from Linda K. Burton. And she starts out her talk saying this, she says, we are privileged to live in this season of church history when questions are being asked about the priesthood. There is great interest and desire to know and understand more about the authority, power, and blessings associated with the priesthood of God. It is my hope that the doctrine of the priesthood may distill upon 
our souls as the dews from heaven. Um, and she talks about, you know, the Lord is hastening his work and we're here for it. We get to be a piece of history as these questions and answers are unfolded. And it's up to us that we get to study about it. And so that's really what this episode is, is answering those questions and maybe getting ourselves started on a study of, of answering these. So there's three statements that we would want to say to our six-year-old daughter as she seeks to answer the question of what power has God given her and what does he expect her to do? And the first one is, you are a fellow servant. When John the Baptist comes to Joseph and Oliver and he issues that statement, upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of Messiah, uh, he gives them or confers upon them this priesthood. It's interesting to note that the conferral of priesthood is not a prerequisite to being called a fellow servant. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to call them a fellow servant because he hadn't conferred the priesthood upon them yet. Um, he calls them fellow servants not because they have been given any priesthood authority yet, but because they meet the qualifications for those that are called to serve. And we've mentioned this in previous episodes, but if you look just above that in section 13, if you get the paper scriptures, at the end of section 12 to Joseph Knight, the Lord reiterates something he has said to uh, Hiram Smith and to Joseph Smith Sr. and to Oliver Cowdery. And he says, uh, verse 7, Behold, I speak unto you and also to all those who have desires to bring forth and establish this work. And you remember in section 4 it says, uh, if you have desires to serve, you are called to the work. It is that desire that calls us to the work. And then as far as what qualifies us for that work, in verse 8 here in section 12 it says, No one can assist in this work except he shall be humble, full of love, having faith, hope, and charity, being temperate in all things, what shall, whatsoever shall be entrusted to his care. Those are the qualifications. And those qualifications can be met by any person, any age, any gender, any location, race, whatever. Those qualifications can be met by anyone. And so to our daughter, we would say, you are a fellow servant. You have the desire and you meet those qualifications of being full of love and being humble and having faith and hope and charity. Um, so I think that's an important thing and maybe a foundational thing to realize. Well, and we've always really encouraged that in our daughter. I think maybe we have kind of had different experiences in our own personal family life. And I think that's maybe something you can look at too, is how our family and how those close to us have handled the priesthood. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know for, for you, Zach, I always look at your family and think, you have some strong women. There, there are some women that have been very equal in the way that they handled their family life. And I know that's one reason why you're passionate about giving our daughters and giving me this very equal and seeing us as equal is because of those examples. And in my own family, um, you know, I had, because my dad started coming to church when I was a teenager again, I grew up in a home where my mother was a lot of times the spiritual leader in our home and she was the one who was president of every possible thing in the church growing up. And I know that though I didn't recognize that at the time, 
um, I realize now that that had an influence on me. I never saw any sort of, it was very much an equality thing in my home that my parents really see themselves as equal. So I know that that has a part to do with it too, and that we can really influence the way that our children grow up and their experience within the church and within the gen- the world as that grows. Well, that's a great example of, I mean, when I think of your mom, I think <laughs> she is the living definition of section 12, verse 8. Um, humble, full of love, faith, hope, charity, and being temperate in all things. So if we're talking about someone that's qualified to be a fellow servant, to be on that, that level with John the Baptist, um, that's a great example. And I think uh, illustrates that, that outside of those things there's no other qualifications needed well and i always joke because in my family i also grew up with all sisters and so there wasn't any comparison to like what boys roles were in fact i kind of saw myself as like i'm gonna be the one to lift the lift the coolers and mow the lawn and and so for me there was no comparison between male and female so i think that also played a role into what i viewed when i when i looked at the church anyway yeah I just think it's interesting to think about that. Yeah. The second statement we would want to make to our daughter is, you have power. Now, this is one where uh, the the show notes that we're going to put in here are, are going to be so valuable for your study. Some of them I know are in, in the Come Follow Me manual. but Or that you've already listened or right. looked into. We're going to link a couple of podcasts, a couple of talks, from church leaders that talk about um, this growing understanding we have of what exactly priesthood power is. Priesthood is the power of God, and there is no other power out there. And so when we talk about uh, anybody doing anything with God's power, that's doing something with the priesthood. I always say to my students, when, when you get down and you pray, for something to happen in your family, and it happens by God's power, that's the priesthood at work. And whether it happened because someone put hands on head, or because someone anointed with oil, or because someone prayed and fasted, those are just different ways to ask God to use his power to do something incredible. And so um, the, the, the links that we'll put in our show notes, I think, are going to be much better resource there for you to understand that and to dive in there. But one thing that I noticed, or I guess two things, uh, one truth that I noticed from my study this week is that in these examples we're studying this week, the power that comes to Joseph and Oliver comes because of ordinances and covenants. In fact, the priesthood priesthood power, any kind of power comes because of ordinances and covenants. As two examples, number one, when Joseph and Oliver uh, go down to the Susquehanna River to baptize and be baptized, the wording in verse 73 in Joseph Smith history is interesting and I think important to note. Listen carefully. Verse 73, immediately on our coming out of the water, after we had been baptized, we experienced great and glorious blessings from our Heavenly Father. The power comes. And then listen to the order in which things happen. No sooner had I baptized Oliver Cowdery than the Holy Ghost fell upon him, and he stood up and prophesied many things which should shortly come to pass. In other words, 
Oliver was able to prophesy because of his baptism and the reception of the Holy Ghost, not because he had just performed a priesthood ordinance. Similarly, and again, so soon as I had been baptized by him, I also had the spirit of prophecy. When standing up, I prophesied concerning the rise of this church and many other things connected with the church and this generation of the children of men. We were filled with the Holy Ghost and rejoiced in the God of our salvation. Our minds being now enlightened, we began to have the scriptures laid open to our understanding and the true meaning and interpretation of their more mysterious passages revealed unto us in a manner which we never could attain to previously nor ever before had thought of. All of that powerful outpouring of spirit came because of ordinances they had just received, not because they had just uh, conducted those ordinances. Uh, an even clearer place for that, and I don't want to steal from our future studies, but in section 84, a very well-known verse that I think is very important for us to understand is verse 20, which says, that in the ordinances of the priesthood, the power of godliness is manifest. Now, for me, that's one of those brain-breaking references that I still am not done studying. But at the very least, I think it emphasizes that power comes from ordinances and covenants. And as far as who can make ordinances and covenants, my daughter, you can. Anybody can that wants to. And when we make those ordinances and covenants, when we agree to follow the Savior and and, uh, and be about the work that he's going to give us, he gives us power, his power, to do the things he's going to ask us to do. I think for me, this one was probably one of the first real light bulbs that came on as I've of course, had a lot of questions about what priesthood and the delineation of all of these roles. I think this one for me has been a big game changer in my study and my view of not only what the priesthood is, but also how it applies to me. That priesthood is just the term for God giving his power on earth. And I think that can be a really empowering thing. Huh? Power, mm -hmm, empowering. Mm -hmm. Um, it's too many times that I'm saying power, but I think that it's so important for us to teach that to, to everyone that you can access God's power at any time, whether that be a prayer or whether that be through, you know, we'll use the example of prayer versus a priesthood blessing. Cause that seems to be the, the easiest, but I really love that idea. And that is one that I tell, tell our daughter a lot. In fact, one specific uh, show note, if you want to go to it, we're going to link a podcast by uh, Barbara Morgan Gardner, who's professor at BYU. Um, and we went to a presentation of hers a couple of years ago where she illustrated something that was really eye-opening for me. She said, when we talk about the priesthood, quite often we are talking in very specific terms. In other words, we are talking about a specific authority to perform specific ordinances. For example, the priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood that authorizes a deacon to pass the sacrament. She says, however, priesthood in the scriptures is a much broader term. And so what she did is she went to the board and she drew this little tiny circle. And in that little tiny circle or next to it, she labeled, um, you know, passing the sacrament, giving a father's blessing. Those are uh, specific ways for 
us to access God's power. But then she drew this broader circle that encompassed that smaller circle and said, but this broader circle is God's power. And in that power, and she started drawing other ones, there's temple. There is power that comes through temple ordinances and covenants. There's power that comes through endowment. And in the temple, both men and women are endowed with priesthood power. There's a family circle. There is power within a family. And that power flows co-equally through a mother and a father. And so she drew this broad circle and just showed how there are so many different ways that God allows us to access and draw upon his power. And if we get too myopic and focus only on a couple of small examples, we might miss the fact that God's power is so much broader and more available to us than we maybe have ever realized before. The final answer that we would give to our daughter is that you can and will do great things in your life with God. And I think that what can be a little bit tricky for women right now and for girls growing up right now is that maybe our path with God is not quite as laid out as we see the men have it in front of them. They have these very specific ordinations and very specific roles to fulfill. And that is maybe what's a little unsettling for my daughter to see, is I don't have these pre-subscribed roles to step into. And I totally understand that for her. Um, But for her to understand that God's expectations are still just as big for you. Um, So our path may not be laid out, but he's still expecting great things from us through his power on earth today. And to me, that's exciting. Um, To my daughter, it's exciting to get to find out what God has in store for you. And I'd say the same for everyone. I don't think that that's, even though men have those a few specific things that they step into because of their priesthood offices, um, I think this is an exciting peace for all of us, that we get to discover the power and what we get to do with it with God. Yeah, in fact, um, one thing that I think is important to note in section 13 is that John the Baptist gives keys to Joseph and Oliver. Well, keys open doors, but they don't just open doors for the key holder. The whole purpose of a key is to unlock and open a door for as many people as possible. And so when Joseph and Oliver or a bishop or a stake president are given keys, it's not to open something just for that individual, it's to open something for many individuals. And so looking at section 13, these keys of the Aaronic Priesthood open three specific doors that I think a young woman can walk through every bit as much as a young man can walk through. The first is the key of the ministering of angels. Now, I've been in many uh, deacons quorum or young men's discussions where we talk about what does that look like? What does that mean? How could you minister? Uh, But I would love to hear that discussion in a young women's class or with daughters. What would it look like for you, daughter, to minister like an angel or to receive ministering. Um, The second door that's opened is the gospel of repentance. Um, 
what would it look like for young women to embrace their responsibility to understand and preach the gospel of repentance to their friends and to their neighbors and to other people around the world? And then the third is the door of the baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. What would it look like for a young woman to embrace her own baptism and the power that comes from it, but also to embrace her uh, opportunity to invite other people to uh, make covenants with the Lord and to draw them closer to that or to help them remember that? Um, one of my favorite talks about the Aaronic Priesthood was given years ago by the presiding bishop, Victor L. Brown. It's called The Vision of the Aaronic Priesthood, and it is directed at young men. But the talk, I think, so wonderfully applies to young men and young women that, again, we're going to link it in the show notes. The whole gist of the talk is, he says, that in our activities with youth, I'm going to use the word youth even though he says young men, we quite often give them entertainment in an effort to try and mirror the world. And the thought process is, well, if we don't give them some entertainment, we're going to lose them. And he has this great quote in there where he says, to the degree which we imitate the world, we will lose them to the world. And so his counsel is, instead of giving them fluff and stuff, give them something in their activities that they can't get anywhere else. Give them chances to serve, give them chances to grow, give them chances to minister, uh, to feel the power of God and to share that power with others. And when we give them those chances, that's how we can really keep them. Well, I think that's a great list of things to ask ourselves as we work with our daughters and with young women. how can we help them to realize the power of God in their own lives? And then how can we put them to work in using that power that God gives them to do great and incredible things for themselves, for their families, and for the people around them? Well, certainly, as I think of my daughter and these very mature questions that she has, I think that that quote that you just read really is that for this rising generation. They're looking for answers to big questions. And so it's up to us to learn and study and be a part of this exciting time to be living where we get to answer these questions. And maybe something's in the water, as Zach said, that is putting these questions into the mind of the young people right now. And they're going to be helpers to us in solving these I don't even know if I should say solving in answering these questions, answering these questions. And certainly, um, I still have so many questions and for those that are like me and have had a lot of questions and are just beginning to kind of understand this, um, I see you and I get you. There are a lot of questions associated with this topic that are unresolved and I think that's okay. I think we get to be a part of something that's exciting as we find answers together. Um, But if there's anything that this new resolve to study the priesthood that was brought about by this Come Follow Me study this week is that I think as I have searched out answers to this question, I think I've been looking in the wrong places. It was um, Sister Barbara Gardner, who we already mentioned a couple times who said that the doctrine has always been the same and it's there and the core is there. And I think sometimes for me, I've looked out to maybe the social justice side or 
the issues or social media on the topics of this, but something that I'm resolving to do is to study a little bit deeper about what the doctrines of the priesthood are and what that means for me. And the realization I had is that I think that's where I'm going to start to get the real answers for this question. Sister Burton gave the challenge to women a few years ago, and again, we'll link this talk, to memorize the oath and covenant of the priesthood. And I think that that's a challenge I'm taking on for myself. Anyone else who wants to join in me, even though that talk was given a few years ago, I think it's still ever as important today to for us to find that. So as always, we hope that this begins maybe a new adventure for you as you seek out answers that you've had in your heart about the priesthood. And hopefully um, my daughter can have a few more answers now, more clearly laid out for her now that we've figured out a few answers for her too. But we hope that this is a great study for you this week and we hope that you're doing well and we hope to see you again next week. Thanks so much. Thank you.